I made a huge oopsie. But you know, I'm kinda glad I did. See, last week I was convinced that this was the final episode of the New Year's comic spree. I set out to use January to catch up on my comics of 2023 and figured I had four episodes to do it in, cause you know, that's typically a month, but nope! There's a fifth episode in January. <laughs> I'm good at calendars. But hey, this gives me another week to whittle down my massive stack, so I am not complaining whatsoever. And welcome back to the comics that we love, a show where normally I sit down with a guest each week to take our favorite stories and comics and dissect what makes them great. Sometimes the creators themselves will join in and help us understand their process and how they attack their work. I am your hero with the power of one million exploding suns and podcast host Zach McCrary. This week we have so much to talk about. I've actually got five books this week. Previously it's been three to four, but this week I got through five, mostly because one of them was just a single issue, because I couldn't wait and I needed to talk about it, like, right now, because, man, I'm excited. But anyway, without further adieu, week four of five of the New Year's Comics Bree commences. Number one on my list this week that I just absolutely had to read was The Century from Marvel Comics. We're talking about this brand new one, issues numbers one and two, written by Jason Liu, art by Luigi Sagaria, colors by Arthur Hesley, letters by Joe Caramagna. Man, this one is pretty fresh. The second issue just came out this past week, but it's one that I fully intend to stay on top of. I've mentioned it on the show before, and on many guest appearances elsewhere, I'm a big fan of the century. I, I love me some Superman analogs, but at the top of that list sits Robert Reynolds' The Century. I find the character fascinating, especially that first series from Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee. So good. If you've never read it, go grab you a trade paperback. With Century having been ripped in half by Null during the King in Black event, which made Zack a sad panda... We've got a bunch of young people who are all of a sudden f having flashes of Sentry's memories and also being bequeathed with his powers. This kind of feels to me like the Sentry's own version of Rise of the Superman story. Hear me out. If you're unaware, back when Superman died, a bunch of people cropped up to claim that they were him and or that they were going to kind of take his mantle and that kind of you know claim to his throne. And that's where we got, like, Superboy Connor Kent, or the Eradicator, or Cyborg Superman, and Steel. Uh, I know that these stories don't line up as complete copies, but more that it's a fun similarity. And maybe it's just a coincidence, but the fact that Sentry is so very much a Superman analog, I'd wager not. We're getting the stories of these people as they first use their new powers, and the havoc it causes, because it's just coming on. 
uh, much the way that they usually show mutants. You know, they you hit a certain age, boom, it happens. But these are fully developed adults who just suddenly, boom, bam, memories from the century. Now you got some of his powers. And Misty Knight and Jessica Jones are trying to figure out why this is happening and find these new centuries before anything really bad can happen. Apparently the next issue, they're going to be consulting Doctor Strange and Clea, so that should be fun. We're getting a bunch of threads all weaving together nicely, and at the core of it, the mystery of why these people and why is it happening. Only two issues deep, and I'm really digging what's going on. The second issue was actually pretty shocking. It wasn't what I expected, and now I have to sit and wait a whole damn month for the third to come out. You know, this is this is why I like hoarding and binge reading <laughs> and just, you know, kind of trying to forget about comics until I have so many that I'm like, oh, God, I should really read these. Uh, it just at least, you know, because then I'd had like an entire arc to read like I have on this show before, you know, uh, on the last couple episodes. But I can't. I can't with this one. It's one of my boys. So I'll be keeping up with the century as it goes along. I think you should, too. It's pretty fun. And go read that original Century book, man. It's so, so freaking good. Now, number two on my list is Wonder Woman from DC Comics. And this is specifically that new run that's going on with Tom King, Daniel Sampier, Tomeo More, Clayton Cowles. We got issues one through four I've read. Uh, I know I already read Danger Street during the New Year's comic spree, but I really needed to get a look at this Wonder Woman book. I own all of the issues. I even got the number one signed by Tom King down at Third Eye Comics in Annapolis. Shout out to them. But full disclosure, never had a chance to sit down and read it. <laughs> I've been so busy. So getting to drop in headfirst and read four issues back to back was a good time. I, of course, have almost nothing but praise for this book. The art from Sampir is gorgeous, and King's writing is everything that I personally want in comics. It's smart, it's thoughtful. It presents DC characters in a way that is a bit more adult, without being the edgelord style of the 80s and 90s. And I love the nuance that he brought to characters like Mr. Miracle and to Darkseid and to Adam Strange and to everything that he does. This is no different. His portrayal of Wonder Woman feels right to me. The choice of narration is also interesting, as it is seemingly narrated by our villain, as they tell the story of their own downfall to Wonder Woman's daughter, the basic idea that this story is Wonder Woman versus America is kind of wild. Uh, our villain for this comic, created by Tom King, is called the Sovereign. I won't ruin who or what that means, but it's a big deal when you find out. Like, a really big deal. There are scenes where she's literally being attacked by the U.S. Army, and she is swinging tanks in the air with her lasso. There is, there is plenty of action in this comic. But also, also plenty of heart. Like, no matter what happens, Diana will not be swayed. She sticks to her ethics, her morality, and her belief in people, even when they show her their darkness. But she will f*** you up if you come at her. It's perfect. Also, as the issues go on, you start to see some shorts uh, at the end about John, uh, John Kent, and Damian Wayne, and Diana's daughter Lizzie, a.k.a. Trinity? They haven't explained the two names yet, as the boys babysit her as a little kid and then as a 13-year-old, being a super huge Super Sons fan. I'm really enjoying that bonus content, because I, I, I always loved watching 
the the friendship that John and Damien have and how they bicker with each other, but they love each other at the same time, you know, and uh, adding a third to that mix, I think is really fun. There's one minor gripe that I have. Nobody tell Tom, but I don't have I don't have them often for him, you know, but this time I do. During narration in one of the issues, he kind of poo-pooed the new 52 retcon of Wonder Woman's origins from the Brian Azzarello Cliff Chang run where she wasn't made from clay, you know, she but she was fully a daughter of Zeus. Uh, without directly saying it, it, it felt like he was m- making the note of like, oh, uh, I prefer the from clay thing, so I hope you didn't think she was still a god. I, I didn't like that <laughs> because I was I, I, I am a huge fan of that new 52 run. I did two episodes about the freaking run back in the day. You can go check them out. Uh, I don't I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but. I love that Azarello run. I thought that that retcon made Wonder Woman's origins more interesting to me because I loved the like just how deeply she was ingrained in like Greek Roman mythology. Is it Roman? That's Roman, right? Or is it Greek? It's I think I, I whichever. I don't remember, but yeah, Zeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zeus is Roman. Anyway, uh, I I loved the the direction that Azarello took with her and with that, and I I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't, I've, I've never been a fan of the uh, from the clay, you know, whole idea. So the fact that he seems to be like redirecting us back to that one as her origin kind of made me sad. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just one of those people that preferred the Azarello retcon. I thought it made more sense for how powerful she is and made some fantastic stories. So if they've retconned that out, I'm going to be a little sour. Not enough to ruin my enjoyment of this fantastic book, though. I'm 100% sold on this run already, four issues deep. I will be collecting this sucker until the story is over. So, man, if you've never read a Wonder Woman comic, this is not a bad one to hop onto, I don't think. Yo, real quick, if you get weekly enjoyment from the show and you want to support it, you can hang some dollars on the money tree over at patreon.com forward slash TCTWL for only five bucks a month five smackaroos you'll get a shout out on the show get your episodes early and ad free like this one right here and whatever other ads i might be able to get in the future and of course there is the post credit scene where the chatting continues with my guests with less of a format you can also chat one-on-one with me about comics at your leisure once we hit 10 patrons I'll be starting up my Jonathan Hickman era X-Men podcast where I plan to go through from front to back the entirety of the Krakoan age, starting of course with House of X, Powers of X, or 10, whichever one you want to say. We hit 20 and I'm going to start doing monthly giveaways of one of the books presented on the show that month. So, you know, get to chat with me about comics, get to be part of uh, this growing community, get two extra podcasts at least a couple times a month. It's cool stuff for five smackers. Now back to the show. Patreon.com forward slash TCTWL. Number three on the list comes from Skybound slash Image Comics, and that is Transformers issues one through four, written and drawn by the amazing Daniel Warren Johnson, colors by Mike Spicer, letters by Russ Wooten, 
I was so excited when Daniel Warren Johnson was announced for this new iteration of Transformers for the Energon universe over at Skybound. And not even for the Transformers part. Admittedly, yeah, I did watch OG Transformers as a kid, but it was never like my thing. You know, it was not like the transformative show. I didn't even try that. It was not like the transformative show for me as a kid. I watched it. I liked it. But I wasn't like hardcore. I was more of the Ninja Turtles kid. Uh, I was and He-Man. I was more excited that DWJ was getting a big gig and I wanted to see what he would do with it. Yes, I know he's done Wonder Woman before, but like that was before I was a fan. So I get to see this one happen in, in you know, in real time. Uh, one of my favorite comics of last year was Do a Powerbomb. It's the only comic that has ever made me cry. The guy can take the most insane premises and inject such emotion into them, whether it be an intergalactic pro wrestling tournament or a heavy metal anthropomorphic falcon. So yeah, big excitement about Transformers. And man, did he deliver. That duo of DWJ and Mike Spicer, along with the precision lettering of Russ Wooten, made this book friggin' pop. We got a little bit from Spike Witwicky and his dad, along with Spike's friend Carly, to kind of set up our earthly perspective. But once they find a crashed ship and the Autobots and Decepticons start coming back online, the proverbial poop hits the fan pretty hard and hasn't let up yet. The first four issues are all happening in one night as both sides try to regroup and bring their compatriots back to life, while simultaneously continuing their never-ending war, because they just cannot help themselves. This book is willing to take Transformers to places that, as far as I know, it's never been. It's a bit grittier, a bit more adult. Granted, I've never read any other Transformers comics, so maybe this direction has been taken before, but seeing Decepticons gleefully murder humans was a wild experience. <laughs> like, all these years, I've I've never seen Decepticons purposely and directly killing humans. <laughs> you know, it might happen by happenstance or, you know, uh, you know, collateral damage, but never like just seeing them be like, hey, look at that squishy thing. I want to squish it. There's also some great moments of emotion, too. At one point, Optimus Prime, still freshly awake on Earth for the first time, accidentally steps on a deer and kills it. And the sorrow that Johnson was able to get out of a giant red robot was astounding. And it really set the tone for who this Optimus Prime is and how he views the universe. And we get a couple more great scenes like that as the issues go on so far. Some more shocking moments as well. Every issue ends with a cliffhanger that made me want to jump straight into the next issue. So it pains me to have caught up with Transformers because I just want more. If you were sleeping on this one, don't. And with Duke and Cobra Commander coming out, uh, both from Joshua Williamson, from Joshua Williamson. So not only are we getting Darren Warren Johnson, but Joshua Williamson is also in this universe playing with these characters. I expect some wild things from this Energon, Energon universe as it begins to expand. Number four, also from Image Comics, is Black Cloak. Written by Kelly Thompson, art by Meredith McLaren, letters by Becca Carey. Black Cloak is such a cool book. If you haven't heard about it, it's like a fantasy detective noir tale. 
black cloak uh our black cloaks are like the police force of the last remaining city on the planet where all of the various fantasy races live together in less than harmony at one point there was a great war they all banded together to stop the great evil but this is the last remaining refuge and at first there was peace and now you know now they just bicker amongst each other of course there's extreme wealth disparity depending on where you live and the royal family quite literally lives above the rest i love the blending of fantasy with a more modern fare like there are guns but they're magic based there are other machines in in air quotes machines but they're all magic based the city itself also feels closer to a modern city than say a medieval city most of the dress as well is more modern than i would say fantasy so, the story is of a murder mystery, but a murder that is a huge deal and could send the city into chaos. Our major character, Phaedra, has a connection to this murder, and watching her and her partner Pax unravel it and have to come to terms with what it means and what will happen when the truth comes out is a pretty fun ride. Along the way, we meet so many interesting characters who you either quickly fall in love with or quickly hate. When we get the full reveal of Phaedra's background, it really opens the story up even more in so many ways. So many new avenues to explore, and the climax to the first arc in issue number six really makes me want that second arc. And by the way, yeah, I read issues one through six. It's the entirety of the first arc. But unfortunately, as far as I can tell, there's no release window for the series to return. Thompson noted in the back of the final issue that the whole team is staying on but that it's been being worked on with a lot less money to go around. So so I'm assuming it's only being worked on in between bigger paying gigs, which I totally can understand, but still, very sad about it. I can see the art being very divisive. I personally really like Meredith McLaren's style. It's not super detailed, it's very cute and cartoony, even in the face of a murder case where we see dead bodies. Uh, so I could see someone losing interest just because the art isn't vibing with them or they don't think it vibes with the story. For me, the dichotomy of this kind of hard-boiled detective story that blows up into a fantasy arc and this very cutesy art style is what makes Black Cloak unique and more fun. And that surprises me that I feel that way because if you've listened to me prattle on long enough, You've heard me say that having the right kind of art for the story is super important to me, and that if the two don't fit together, I can't do it. But this is an instance where the story and the art are so opposed that they fit perfectly. I don't know how else to explain that. I love the writing, and I love the art, and I don't think it should work, but it 100% does in my opinion. This is an instance where the detective narrative getting to the center of the case was paced really well and made sense to me which is funny because it's only one issue longer than under the influence was last week then again each issue was double sized of this so really she had more time to tell the story and let it pace out naturally still though if you want to see a well-paced detective story come to a head in six issues black cloak does it i give it a gold star and now for number five yeah i have a fifth one this week a fifth. Issue number one of Ultimate Spider-Man from Marvel Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Marco Cicchetto. 
Colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by Corey Petit. I have been so excited for this issue to drop. Yes, I know this one isn't a catch-up, because it just came out, but I just had to talk about it. I covered Ultimate Invasion and Ultimate Universe number one at the beginning of the New Year's comic spree, or was it was a couple weeks ago. I really, really enjoyed that, and I have been excited, waiting to see where Hickman and the gang take this universe. So how do you take an idea like the Ultimate Universe that is still very much beloved and slap that name on a completely new universe with completely new iterations of beloved characters. How do you do it? Frankly, I think Hickman figured out the perfect way. It paid a little bit of homage to the original Ultimate Universe, thanks to the Maker being involved, and it paved the way for wholly new introductions to Marvel's characters, thanks to the meddling of the Maker 20 years ago in continuity. Our first look at this new Ultimate Universe beyond the big events of Ultimate Invasion and Ultimate Universe number one is Ultimate Spider-Man number one, which I think was a good move. I'm going to keep this spoiler free because it is so new and is only the first issue. I told you before, I'm a diehard Peter and MJ guy. They are my comic book couple. I hate it when they're apart. When I was an angsty, lonely, chubby teen, I wrote a poem about hoping one day I could have my own Mary Jane. If I still had that notebook, I would absolutely embarrass myself and read it to you. But I don't, unfortunately. So, in recent times, as Peter and MJ have gone their separate ways in the 616, I've been kind of sad when reading Spidey comics. Because, you know, that's my duo. When I saw the direction of Ultimate Spider-Man, I knew I had to read it. Not only do we get Peter and MJ, but they got kids! And knowing what I knew from Ultimate Invasion, this was going to be a whole new interpretation. Hickman did not disappoint. This is a very different take on these characters, and yet still hold everything we know and love about them. There are some surprising twists that made me happy, and some made me sad, but either way, they got a reaction. Being a lifelong Spider-Man guy, I am so very tied to these characters and getting the Jonathan Hickman version of them is already sitting high on my list of, quote, if you read nothing else this year, read this. That kind of feeling. One issue in, and I'm already enthralled by the story, and can we talk about Chichetto's art? Holy smokes. It's, it's beautiful. I'm terrible at describing art because I'm not an artist, but I like the imperfection of it. And I, and I don't mean that as a knock. I don't want anyone to think that. I think the art is gorgeous. But I I appreciate smooth, very painterly art. But my bread and butter is stuff that has a bit of an edge to it. Not like... I don't know how to explain it. So Chichetto has these nice, thin lines. Very detailed. And even though it is inked, sometimes you almost forget and think that the book was just colored from the penciling stage. That's how I feel anyway. Like, it's very... There's a lot to it, like, and the the characters are very defined. It reminds me of how a lot of Marvel comic books looked in the 90s, minus the giant shoulder pads and pouches and 46,000 biceps, and, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit nostalgic because of it. This is actually the first thing I've ever read with art done by him, and he is now one of my favorite active artists. One issue was all it took. I want to see more from him, and I'm going to have to seek it out. 
if you're a if you're a Spider-Man fan, you I I personally think you owe it to yourself to check this comic out. Could you pick it up and read it without having read Ultimate Invasion and Ultimate Universe number one? Sure. They do a good enough job of giving you cursory information to fill some of the gaps. But I I think reading it first will really make Ultimate Spider-Man even better for you. I'm excited. I want more and I want it now. So I'll be waiting impatiently for issue two to drop. God, it's going to be like a month. <laughs> it's going to be like a month. The 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 uh the plight of the uh, of the comic book fan having to wait a month to continue the story that you're really into. But that's uh that's gonna be all that I have this week. Pretty decent stack though I think. Solid books. Easily the most big two centric episode of the month I think. I'm feeling pretty satisfied. Like my brain is a full belly on Thanksgiving Day. But like the glutton that I am, I'll go right back to reading some more tomorrow. The leftovers, as you might say. No, that's mean, because that makes it sound... <laughs> They're not leftovers. They are all equally good. All of the comics. Anyway, one more week in the New Year's comic spree, y'all. One more week. If you have any suggestions for me from your 2023 pile, you can let me know. If you're a, if you're a patron, you can hit me up directly there. You could also drop me an email, comicsthatwelove at gmail.com. No the in front just comics that we love at gmail.com and put the subject new year's comic spree one more week to go for real this time and if i don't get to it by the end of january i'm sure that i will read it during one of my solo run episodes down the road and i'll give you a shout out then until next week have a fun and safe rest of your week and weekend read some comics you know i will be and that's a wrap for this week. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review and leave us a user review on your favorite podcast app. It'll really help the show continue to grow and find new listeners. You know what else will? Tell a friend. Tell ten. If they like comics, they should know about the comics that we love. If you want to support the show and get lots of extra podcasts and other content as well, there is a Patreon that helps keep the lights on and internet connected so that we can continue bringing you that sweet nerd media. Links to that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the show, and as always, keep reading, keep dreaming, peace. The Comics That We Love